AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, January 4th here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It's Bob Kemp. It's Kayla Mortolaro. We're here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Feel free to chime in in this hour. We'll take your phone calls around 1215. The number to reach us, 602-260-1060. Let's reset the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob had a conversation with Alan Pupar of AllDolphins.com, chatting all things dolphins, ironically enough. So who wins, and do they prevent the Buffalo Bills from making the playoffs? Who wins Sunday night at Miami, Bills or Dolphins? And the masses continue to be on the Bills side of things here at 58% percent of the vote dolphins sitting at 42 percent a question that we'll answer around 12 30 today tossing it on over to x i still can't get used to that at kdos am 1060 which quarterback do you prefer long term between justin fields and jordan love and the masses are on the jordan love side of things at 76.5 percent of the vote Fields sitting at 23.5 percent another question that we will answer around 1230 today momentarily we'll get to some arizona cardinals uh discussion we'll also uh dissect some comments and takeaways from head coach jonathan gannon as well as quarterback kyler murray but we'll continue our pro bowl conversation that we were having going through the players in the afc that made the team uh we left off with the running backs which was james cook derrick henry and raheem mostert uh traveling along to the fullback here alec ingold with the dolphins and i just kind of like laughed to myself a little bit because when you think about Miami's offense you think about speed 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 you don't necessarily think about the fullback position yeah I don't know how the uh, fullback for the Baltimore Ravens is not on this game in this game uh, maybe he has been in the past but he's got a I wish I knew it number 42 uh, who actually caught like a touchdown pass last week too uh, he's got to be the fullback. I mean, this is you know like use check. I mean, these are automatic picks every year as long as those guys are playing. Isn't it Ricard? Or am I? That's right. Yeah. That that's okay. it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He 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 pass protects. He catches the ball some. He's a tremendous blocker. I mean, there's. You know, I'm sorry, but I mean, it's. It, how is he not in this thing? So it's one 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 other reason not to watch the Pro Bowl if there is a game. The tight ends, Travis Kelsey and David Njoku. And I think you have to highlight David Njoku here. He's been tremendous. Now, that's the guy who has really benefited from Flacco. Uh, yeah, I think his numbers are, you know, obviously Cooper's numbers are better too, but Cooper's numbers were actually at least decent with the other three quarterbacks. Uh, Njoku is just kind of splashed. Even though Njoku, I remember one game with DTR, he had a very good game, but. Yeah, he, he's definitely benefited from that. And, 
this is another a, clearly a case of uh, career achievement with Kelsey. He shouldn't be in the Pro Bowl based on this year. No, he's had some dropped passes himself this year and uh, kind of games where he's disappeared. Correct. And it's not all been because of everything else going on around him. He just hasn't been very good in some of these games. And there's a lot of speculation that both Kelsey brothers are going to you know, retire after this year and do whatever they're going to do next. Tackles, Teron Armstead, Deion Dawkins, and Laramie Tunsil. Yeah, now Armstead, he's missed at least five or six games. So I just don't understand that there's no way that you should be allowed to miss that many games in you know a 17-game season and be included in something that supposedly matters. You know, there's, there's incentive clauses here. I don't know if he has one of those or not, but con con congratulations to he and his agent for getting that put in. There's no way based on this year that he should be included in that game, that list in this, this team at least. Guards Joel Bittantonio with the Browns, Quentin Nelson with the Colts, and Joe Tooney with the Chiefs. Yeah, that sounds okay, even though Tooney's not played nearly as well as he had in past years. Uh, of the Chiefs, you know, the, the guards in the center, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, Humphrey uh, from Oklahoma, he's been by far the best of those three guys this season. Well, he did make the Pro Bowl with the centers, Creed Humphrey, and then Tyler Linderbaum with the Ravens. Who's also missed a bunch of games. You know, I'm sensing a theme here that, uh, you know, maybe we would like our, our Pro Bowlers to play a lot of games, but maybe the reality is is there were just a lot of injuries this year. There were, but you know, I know that you went know, to NFL Live last week. There's actually been less injuries this year than a year ago, and certainly in the offensive line, you no doubt there's been fewer injuries this year than than the past. And last year was an epidemic, and last year was entire units that got knocked out with injuries in the offensive line. That that's gotten better this year for sure. Defensive ends: Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, and Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, I got no problem there. Uh, you know, Garrett should, without question, be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. Nobody else should get a vote. I'd be okay with that. Uh, interior lineman here, defensive tackle, Chris Jones, uh, Justin, and I'm going to mess up his last name, Matabuki, with the Ravens, and then Quinn and Williams with the Jets. Yeah, even though those three guys, I think that Williams has had the least impactful season, and it's not because the Jets have lost games. It, he's just not as been he's not been as good as he was a year ago. Maybe that's just a, he set a high standard for himself a year ago, though. Outside linebackers: Josh Allen, Khalil Mack, and T.J. Watt. Yeah, okay, well, I'm good with that. Um, I actually think there's probably outside linebacker. There seems to be a lot of good players in the AFC, so. I'm sure there's some guys that are, you know, feeling like they've been snubbed uh, today. Even though those three guys are, were certainly productive this year when they played. Not all those guys played every game either, by the way. Inside linebacker coming from the same team, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Yeah, Queen's really improved this year, especially in pass coverage. So. I've got no problem with as many Ravens as you want to throw on here. It's pretty uh, hard to argue that because I think that, uh, yeah, if they have a deep playoff run, maybe this will get it uh, talked about a little more. But I think the biggest reason that the Ravens are where they're at right now is their defense has been really dominant in many of their games this year, most of their games this year. 
And I think that I don't think the, I think that's the biggest reason that they're at. I think that's the biggest reason they're at right now where they are at. Lack of that's like the worst sense of all time, but you get the gist, hopefully. Cornerbacks: Sauce Gardner, Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Sertan, and Denzel Ward. Yeah, I'm good there. Now Ward missed at least five or six games, so God bless him, and hopefully he has a roster. He has a bonus in his contract if he makes the Pro Bowl. Safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick, Justin Simmons, and Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> they all miss games, all three of them. However, Including Kyle Hamilton Ham- is really good. <laughs> well, they're all really good, but they got to be out there, and Hamilton may not play this week. No. Uh, in fact, yeah. I'm sure he's not playing this week. He didn't play last week. Uh, uh, when they had they, their season was still sort of in jeopardy, at least the number one seed. Uh, he didn't play against the in the route against the Dolphins last week, and obviously he's not playing this week because they got nothing to play for. AJ Cole Raiders with the punter uh, position and kicker Justin Tucker with the Ravens. Yeah, the Justin Tucker, that's another guy. As long as he's you know, still active, he should just be like an automatic guy. <laughs> so I mean, it's a kind of an inarguable it's like use check and uh you know the dude the run the ravens running back who i've forgotten his name again the fullback uh, Ricard. Just, correct those guys as long as they're playing just throw them in there every year we'll uh continue with the nfl theme here but bring it home locally with the arizona cardinals as they are prepping for the final game against the seahawks on sunday we know from yesterday the announcement dj humphreys he's going to ir with a torn acl when you looked at some of the other players on the injury report yesterday garrett williams didn't practice with an ankle dennis gardek didn't practice with a knee and dante stills didn't practice with a knee takeaways from head coach jonathan gannon let's start with humphreys uh, what does it mean for Humphrey, Humphreys to tear his ACL? Uh, Gannon's answer was, it's a blow for anybody, for us as a team, for him. Obviously, he's a captain and are one of our premier players. You know, it's part of the sport that is really hard. You know how I feel about the players, what they put into the this, the sacrifices they make, and him being who he is, it's tough to swallow, truthfully. Then a follow-up question was, how has Humphreys played for you guys this year? He said, good really good starting left tackle yeah i'd say kind of what we said about the offensive line all year long uh they're not good as a unit in pass blocking they've been really good in run blocking and i think that uh uh, dj falls into that category Pro Football Focus ranked him tied for 32nd with four sacks allowed, tied for 10th with nine penalties, uh, 28th. That's not good. No. 28th with 922 snaps played so far, and they gave him a 62.5 overall grade. Yeah, while we're talking about Pro Football Focus, I don't know if we said that. I said it on the air during the first hour. Uh, I don't know if we, I know we talked about it off the air. Uh, Buda Baker, going back to Buda Baker, the 53rd-ranked safety this season by Pro Football Focus, 53rd, and he's in the Pro Bowl. Then more from Jonathan Gannon. The question here has what led you to the conclusion that Kyler Murray is the franchise quarterback? And he said, I mean, I've been convicted since I got here. What the guy has done for us, the player that he is, the person that he is, the competitor that he is, I kind of chuckle. That's been my view since I got here. That may all be true, and prob- maybe probably is true. But I think also the Cardinals realize that after Murray's uh, inconsistent at best season this year, 
think he make a case that he's only played above average and in a little more than half the games, if that, that you know, with his contract and the way that he's been inconsistent this year, there's no team that's going to trade for him. Uh, so what are you going to say at this point, even if you don't believe what he said? Uh, then he had answered something else in another question about the, how this team has a long way to go. So the follow-up question here was, what does he mean by the team has a long way to go? And he says, when I say long way to go, I think NFL coaches would tell you the ones I've been around, you're never as good as you think you are and never as bad as you think you are. The margin between winning and losing is so small. You know, when I say long way to go, I know what our record is. So I have a long way to go is what I'm saying to myself. But I know we're doing the right things. The guys in the locker room prepare the right way. They practice the right way. They play the right way. They're connected. They're team first guys. So I think we are on our way. Okay. Well, they're on their way to whatever. I mean, they're the right now. I don't think there's any doubt that they're the least talented team in the NFL on defense. Uh, you know, I really don't know if there's a defensive player. Uh, since Clark, not since uh, Clark, but Kaiser White got hurt, that has played at the above average level on a consistent basis. Jalen Thompson might be second. Certainly, Buda Baker has not played above average at a consistent level. Uh, their defense is atrocious. I think it's a safe, to, you know, saying that you know, I'll, I'll use your money, Kayla, to bet this. Uh, is that I think it's safe to say that if you go back to the 53-man roster to start this season that at least 25% of that roster will not be here next year, at least. Uh, you know, we I, I actually have had a conversation with someone. We saved a roster from week one, and the plan ahead of week one next year is to go down and count how many players are still on this roster to start 2024 for what started in 2023. Okay. <laughs> so I'll bet you a lunch that, you know, which you know I'll pay for if I lose, uh, I'll bet you a lunch that at least uh, there's less than 25% of those names on next year's 53-man roster to start the 2024 season. And that's the way it should be because there's not very many good players on this team. Uh, we've had that conversation. We know the different holes that they have, the positions that they're going to try to be addressing in the draft and in, in, in free agency. Uh, when he says, though, you know, that, uh, but I know we're doing the right things and then concludes with, so I think we are on our way. I want to take that and flip it into a coaching viewpoint, if you will, because we tried to dissect at some point throughout this season how do we know if this coaching staff is on their way? What could we possibly glean from seeing them in-game, uh, making adjustments from first half to second half or from week to week, et cetera, to say this coaching staff is the right coaching staff to lead us? Uh, it, I know the season's not done yet, but is there anything that kind of stands out to you that has made you convicted one way or another about the coaching staff is well on their way? I think Gannon's done a nice job. I mean, they're still playing hard, obviously. I just don't think they're any good. Uh, but they're still playing hard. Uh, the fact that they, uh, you know, work, you know they, as long as they have the lead on offense and can run the ball and not have to depend on Murray dropping back and throwing and pass protection, et cetera, they got a chance to win games. Uh, they're not going to be able to chase points in very many games, uh, in the second half of these games at least. 
And uh, I know that they were down 21 to six at halftime last week, but they immediately scored. In fact, they scored every possession in the second half at Philadelphia. And Philadelphia's defense is a mess at this moment and has been for pretty much the entire season, quite frankly. But I think that you know, he deserves credit for, you know, they're obviously still playing hard. They also got a lot of guys that are playing for their football futures, whether it's here or somewhere else. It's not like they've got a, a bunch of dudes that are veterans who they know are going to be here next year. There's a, not very many of those guys. Uh, so there's that. I think that Petzing has done the best job he can with what he has. And I have no idea how to really evaluate anything about the defense because they are bad. And the, the, the talent level is atrocious. Uh, you know, the guys that were out there last Sunday, uh, the only two guys you know, I can you know, guarantee uh, that are going to be on this roster next year are Thompson and Baker. Yeah, uh, I, I think you, you have a, a legitimate point there. Um, maybe Garrett Williams has showed you something. Has Starling Thomas showed you anything? Thomas is not, should not be, he should be a special teams player at best. Williams has to me been a huge disappointment. I mean, his first couple games in the lineup after he came back from the injury, he showed some things. He has been continually burned in pass plays and, uh, his tackling, which I actually got my attention more than anything early in the season is, uh, seemingly waned in the late season here. Takeaways from what quarterback Kyler Murray had to say yesterday. The question here is, what is your mindset as you reflect on the two months that you've been able to play? And he said, honestly, just try and get better each and every week. You know, I know how the game goes. Again, missing the time, missing the reps, missing the feel of the game, of having all of that um, move fast, slow it down, part of the process, and now being in the season trying to continue to go up and move in the right direction, play good football. So what do I ask and what do I want out of myself? is to play good football, see the field, and just get better, you know, going into next season that we are able to hit the ground running. Yeah, I, I think we've learned a long time ago with Kyler Murray and his comments, and even before he got here, if you watched him in college, he's never going to say anything that really means a whole lot. Uh, he's been around the game his whole life. He's the king of the cliches, and I'm not blaming him for this. I wouldn't say a whole lot either, quite frankly, if I were him. But rarely has he said anything in his four years here as the Cardinals starting quarterback where I've thought, whoa, I need to jock that down and remember it. <laughs> so he said something post-game in the win against the Eagles about being in form. And so he was asked to elaborate on that. Like, what did he mean by being in form? And he says, I think everybody has the ability. Everybody's abilities are different. But you look around the league, there's years where guys are at their peak form, years where guys have down years. All of that is dependent on the individual. But I think for me, this past game, I felt like I was in that. That's what playing at a high level felt that way. To keep that going, hit a groove and get into a rhythm well he wasn't in form in the first half <laughs> so uh i don't know i think that's a really good question because i don't know what the hell that means either quite frankly uh so you know, whether it's him or somebody else talking about it uh i'm not i've never i don't know if i've even heard that term used before uh, he was asked if he's frustrated that there's only one game left, and he says he's just got to make the most of the game. I know people have different opinions on winning or losing or whatever, but I play to win. 
Well, okay. Um, for me, I'm ecstatic that this is the last game of the season this year. I don't have to watch this team play anymore. So the next question here that caught my attention was, how much are you hoping and expecting that Hollywood comes back? And he says, yeah, I am hoping he comes back. I'll let them do their thing, but I'd love for him to be back for sure. When we take a look at Hollywood this season, obviously now he's not playing the heel injury. Uh, 14 games this year, 51 catches, 101 targets, 574 yards, four touchdowns. In 2022, it was 12 games for him, 67 catches, 107 targets, 709 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I think when he first got here, we were very impressed with him being more than just a speedster. That's kind of really all we saw from him in Baltimore, uh, route running and uh, making some contested catches, et cetera. This year, though, I, I don't share that same sentiment. I think the biggest question, I agree with all of what you just said there, uh, but I think the biggest question now is whether he can stay on the field for an entire season, which we've not seen here for two years in a row. And uh, I don't think the Cardinals should be building their long-term future, if there is such a thing, with him being their number one receiver. Uh, Yeah, and probably what – it'll be interesting because, you know, now at this point we have the 51 catches, 101 targets, 14 games. We only know the 12 games the previous year. So that's going to play into what the the market is going to allow for him to demand. But I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, how that process is going to go because wide receiver in the wide receiver room, and I think we can both agree on this, uh, needs an upgrade in terms of getting uh, a more physical receiver, getting a, a a taller receiver getting someone uh that can also kind of stretch the field in those ways maybe be a little bit of a possession receiver too so uh that that room needs an improvement and an upgrade it also be nice if we had a quarterback that could consistently get them the ball when he has time to throw which i don't think that they have but uh as far as brown in the market i don't know if there is a market for brown because of what we just talked about can teams uh you know it you know, I think there's got to be serious questions of whether he can be even a number two receiver on a good team because he just can't seem to stay on the field for a long period of time. How comfortable are you under center? Kyler Murray said, I feel good. I enjoy it. Something I kind of asked for in the past gives us a different versatility that we could have used. It gives the defense a different look. I enjoy it. The follow-up question here, something we discussed on yesterday. Uh, will we see more bootlegs from you next year? And he said that's a question for Drew. Yeah, well, that's uh, been a question we've had for a while. And uh, I don't know if they're not confident in him being able to do that. I mean, he sure seems to be running okay when he takes off and uh, ad-lib plays when he has to scramble and so forth. But it seems like there's been – Maybe I'm just trying to be conservative as possible here. I don't think there's been 10 pass plays this year that were called rollouts. No, I can't think of one that comes to mind where I'm saying. Well, I remember one against the Rams. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. And that was a disaster as it turned out. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm just like I said, I'm being as conservative as possible. And, you know, don't have a breakdown of the all the, the the video of every play, but it sure seems like that that has been really not part of their offense, no matter who the quarterback has been this year, except for Dobbs, but he was just kind of running for his life. 
602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to chime in. Give us a call now. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. We'll also dive into some of those NBA numbers for this season. Have a little NBA discussion here in The Extra Point. Have you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. point here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. So yesterday marked the first time in NBA history that it saw five teams score at least 140 points on the same day. You had the Jazz and the Pistons. The Jazz 154, the Pistons 148. Yes, the game did go into overtime. The Pacers, 142. The Bucks, 130. The Pacers continue to have the Bucks number, it seems. The Hawks, 141. The Thunder, 138. The Cavs, 140. And the Wizards, 101. Close to this 140-point total were the Kings at 138, the Magic 135. That game went into double overtime. And the Clippers 131 and the Suns 122. Some numbers that I have here, NBA teams. Let me stop you there. And the Clippers would have scored over 140 had they just kind of just, you know, they started the fourth quarter with some of their subs out there. And after the Clippers scored 35, 35, and 37 in the first three quarters, they scored a measly 24 in the fourth quarter. That is true. Um, NBA teams are averaging 115.5 points per game. That is the highest mark since the 1969-1970 season in which it was 116.7 points per game. Teams are attempting 89.3 field goals per game, which is the most since the 1982 and 1983 season when it was 89.7 field goals per game. I think of, you know, the Pacers being a team that just push pace. uh, So field goals per game going up. The league-wide effective field goal percentage this year is sitting at 54.5%. Teams are making 12.8 threes per game, which is the most ever in the league, and they are shooting 78.6% from the foul line, which is the best ever in league history. I'm sure I'm assuming that foul attempts is down are down, however. In fact, I'd be you know willing to bet your money on that too. Wow. Uh, so well, the fact that you know one reason is because nobody goes to the rim anymore unless they're playing the Suns, of course, because everybody goes to the rim against the Suns. But, you know, all the three-point shooting in the league, and that's gone up, as you just mentioned there, statistically. Uh, I would, I'm very, you know, fairly certain that uh, free throw attempts have to be down, maybe significantly down. Uh, but certainly we're, we're seeing a transition to an op- offensive league here. Do you think this is good or bad for the NBA? It's what they want. I mean, every rules change that they've had in the last, you know, 25 or 30 years has been geared towards offense and pretty much all professional sports are like that because they need to get eyeballs and so forth. And people seem to like scoring. I like to watch an occasional defensive stop on games. And apparently the good teams, at least some of the better teams, according to the NBA today, today, I believe that's the name of that show that I couldn't remember in the last hour. 
Uh, last week they had a thing, or during the Christmas, when we were on Christmas break, when I watched some of that show the last few minutes, uh, the, the uh, better defensive teams in the league have actually had pretty good defensive numbers in the fourth quarter of games, at least. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting. So, you know, obviously rule changes help with the offensive production here, points, eyeballs, et cetera, here. But, uh, you know, I'm wondering if they've tweaked it a little bit too much because some of these numbers, this is like all-star type game numbers. Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask here because I try to avoid watching the NBA regular season as much as possible. And uh, the games I do watch involve the Suns, and they don't guard anybody. So I'm not getting a very good gauge on the rest of the league. Now, do you think that there's also just, uh, you know, we marvel at the big man being able to shoot from three. It's almost kind of becoming becoming a norm at this point. Uh, The big man being able to really execute from the foul line. Do you think just overall athleticism, talent, skill set is also helping to contribute so that, you know, some of these numbers and statistics, all five players on the floor are capable of doing it? Except I don't think there's that many teams that have five players on the floor that are capable of doing that. And I would argue the big men thing a little bit. How many big men actually are there in the NBA that really play a significant role anymore? I guess when I mean big man, I just mean tall, like seven footer. Okay. Well, I don't even know how many of those guys are you know, significantly contributing offensively. Um, so, you know, it's uh there's not there's almost there's almost no post players in the NBA anymore, whether they're seven feet or like six eight. I don't disagree uh, with that. Just, there is no post play. <laughs> right. So and, and it's pretty much uh, everything screen and roll, and seems like there are a few teams, if any, that actually run a structured offense like we used to see with high high frequency, and we still see that in college. Uh, so I can't blame the the college game for the uh, lack of. Uh, you know, offensive structure in the half court in the NBA. So I can't blame that. Like I blame the NFL for, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, I blame the colleges and the high school ranks for, you know, not you know, getting, uh, you know, you know, the spread offenses of, you know, obviously I mentioned the last hour have really hurt the NFL in my opinion, as far as you know, pocket passers and things like that. I have no such excuse as far as what's going on in the NBA from the college game, which is pretty much, in a lot of ways, not all that different than it's been. Actually, the college game this year, and I watched a lot of the college game uh, games and the game itself during our Christmas break. Uh, you know, right now, the, I think college basketball this season is the, the highest quality of college basketball I've seen in like maybe a decade. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up, too, because the requirement, if you're in college in, in to go to the NFL, you stay three years. In the NBA, you only have to stay one year in college, yet there's still there's a, a vast difference as to what's being taught at each, each level. Well, another thing, though, one of the reasons the college game has gotten better, maybe the biggest reason, there are more older teams this year than we've had in a long time in college basketball, and that's in part because of the uh, the COVID year is still involved in college athletics, and you got five and you know, fifth and sixth year players still playing college basketball. Some teams, BYU is an example. 
They've got 12 of their top 13 players, and they're a top 15 team. 12 of their top 13 players played together last season. Wow. I mean, to that point, too, going back to the college football game, uh, you had every single Heisman Trophy candidate was, what, at least a fifth-year player? Well, in Michigan, they're going to win the national championship, unfortunately, in my opinion, on Monday night. Uh, and they have more senior starters than anybody that was in the top 25 this year. And they've got a bunch of dudes that are 23, 22 years old on their defense, especially. It's time to transition to the poll questions. We'll do that on the other side of the break, the KDOS1060.com poll question, as well as the Twitter X poll question, both involving the NFL. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's time to dissect today's poll questions. Alan Pupar of AllDolphins.com joined Bob in the sports zone. And if you missed any of that conversation regarding the Miami Dolphins and the expectations ahead of Sunday Night Football's game, podcast it. KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app leads us into the poll question for today. Who wins Sunday night at Miami, the Bills or the Dolphins? Unfortunately, a lot of that conversation with Alan had to do with the uh, Miami injuries. In fact, I'm guessing about half of that interview, which was like 15 or 16 minutes, was injury-related. In spite of all this injury stuff, I'm still taking Miami to win the game 30-27. to The Dolphins are 7-1 at home this season. The Bills have won four in a row. but uh, Actually, they've won four in a row since they were 6-6. But I just don't trust Sean McDermott and his coaching staff and Josh Allen when all the chips are on the table. I much more trust Josh McDaniel and also Vic Fangio. To answer this question, the poll question, I prefer the Dolphins to win the game. But for betting purposes, I much prefer that the Dolphins and Bills score more than 49.5 points this week. Uh, both offenses, I think, are you know, should feast on, I think, suspect defenses especially the Dolphins. Uh, they're going to be without their two pass, pass rushers for sure and possibly two of their three defensive best, uh, two of their three best defensive backs. So uh, for betting purposes, I much prefer the over in this game. Uh, for the answer to the question, there's just no way I'm taking Buffalo in a game that matters. Um, my 10.5 under Bills was looking so good for so long. And now it's going to be a sweat on the final. Uh, you got it. You should hedge on this game then. I should actually. Yeah, that's a fantastic uh, uh, idea. There we go. Absolutely, absolutely, you should hedge. Get, get guarantee yourself some money. Ah, good point. Glad we brought that up. Uh, when it comes though to yeah. answering the question, uh, the Bills have been there and done it in these games. But here's the thing. 
they're not successful when they've been there and done it in these types of must-win games and situations here. I, I think that you have a point about uh, you know Sean McDermott and Josh Allen and what have we seen over the course of their time together in these moments, and they fall a little bit short time and again. But my question is, is there too much on the Miami side of things that that defense just has so many injuries uh, that they're just too depleted at this point to be able to uh, put up the appropriate challenge on the Buffalo Bills. Tua also, it really seems like he needs to be in a rhythm. And if the Bills or any defense for that matter kind of disrupt that rhythm, if you will, then uh, the offense really just gets out of sorts. So how are they going to be able to respond coming off of the blowout loss to the Baltimore Ravens the week prior here? Uh, With all of this said and done, the Bills did Uh, beat Miami earlier on in the season. Uh, The Dolphins were only able to put up 20 points. They did have 393 yards in that previous contest in Buffalo, and uh, Buffalo did intercept Tua once. 7-1 at home for the Miami Dolphins. Maybe this is where they take that next step. Uh, I'm on the Dolphins' side of things. Okay, just a couple of quick things. Also, the Bills still had their three best defensive players or three of their four best defensive players were still healthy and played in that first game. Uh, secondly, uh, the, uh, the Dolphins certainly have a lot of defensive injuries, but their offensive line has a chance to be as healthy as it's been in weeks this week. Jalen Waddle, though, just to be fair, uh, we don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, and he obviously... Uh, yeah, it makes a difference on their offense. It just isn't all just to chuck it around to Tyreek Hill. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And Mostert didn't play last week either. We think he's going to try to play, but can he make it through the game? Uh, the masses, though, are on the Bills' side of things at 62% of the vote. Dolphins sitting at 38%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question, and it is the Sunday night contest, uh, one of the very few Week 18 games that have uh, – implications for both teams uh over on x at kdos am 1060 which quarterback do you prefer long term justin fields or jordan love all right so i just thought i'd look at the numbers this year justin fields he did deal with a thumb injury this year so 12 games for him 61 percent completion percentage 2414 yards 16 touchdowns nine picks 39 sacks Carried the ball 116 times, 630 yards, and four touchdowns. Jordan Love on the season, he's played in 16 games, 63.1% completion percentage, 3,843 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, 29 sacks. He's rushed the ball 47 times, 248 yards, and four touchdowns. Injuries are certainly a concern for Justin Fields. The way that he plays uh, the game, I know he hasn't uh, run the ball as much uh, this season, but still injuries have been a uh, consistent concern for him throughout his NFL career. I think with Jordan Love, if you have some... And college career too, by the way. That's true. Uh, Jordan Love, with some protection, a run game, he's shown some improvement this season. There was a stretch where it really seems like he had... uh, put all the pieces together and really figured things out uh accuracy though i'm still kind of uh there's glimpses of where things are really on target glimpses of things where not quite certain where the ball is going but i guess uh Maybe my answer is I trust Matt LaFleur to be able to help with Jordan Love moving forward more than Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields in that particular situation. So my answer is uh, Jordan Love. 
Yeah, okay, I'm with you on that. You know, I think that you know, Fields has definitely Im you know, improved, uh, displayed more accuracy without question this season. Still struggles reading defenses. That interception he threw in the end zone against the Cardinals two weeks ago is one of the dumbest plays I've seen a quarterback make in college or pro football this year. Something that no quarterback should ever do. All they needed was to kick a field goal and have a two-score lead in that game, and the game would have been officially over at that point. And he just threw into obvious zone coverage and in the end zone when all you need to do is kick a field goal to go up by 10. Uh, and that gave the Cardinals a you know, quasi chance. I mean, you know, that was the time where Kyler Murray could get some more garbage yards and, you know, look and make his stats look good. But anyway, that was just a horrendous play from a quarterback that's been a starter for three years now. And that really bothers me. In fact, Jordan Love in his first season – as a starting quarterback, is shown more improvement than Fields has in three years as a starting quarterback. Also, going back to the coaching thing, I totally agree, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, Love has been far better coached uh, than, than than Fields has been in Chicago. No question about that. Uh, you know, also, Love right now is a better offensive line. Even though the Packers' offensive line is far from elite, but it has certainly improved this year. As I mentioned earlier in the week, uh, they, you know, their offensive line, I think that they've done a really – you mentioned Lafleur. I also think the offensive, you know, the offensive coaching staff deserves a lot of credit in Green Bay because that offensive line has gotten much better, and that's with assistant coaches almost always doing those things, so I'm assuming that's happening in Green Bay. There's no doubt in my mind that Love is my preference as a better long-term quarterback than Fields. And I would be very surprised if Fields is even in Chicago next year. Uh, the masses, they're on the love side of things at 76.5% of the vote. Fields, 23.5%. That is on X at KDOS AM 1060. We will wrap up this Thursday, January 4th, 2024 edition of the Extra Point on the other side of the break. A couple of things caught my attention. In addition to, we'll have uh, an update of the scores for the PGA Tour as the century from uh, Kapalua is underway. So we'll do that to wrap up this Thursday edition of the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. January 4th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. And it's that time once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever. 
and whatever else slip of the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Bills and Dolphins Sunday night preview of Alan Pupar. Uh, covers the Dolphins for alldolphins.com. Sound uh, today's uh, sound of the day courtesy of uh, CBS, Fox, NBC, and also 3TV. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla is going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Coming up next from 1 to 3 p.m. is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by uh, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6 tonight. Uh, so taking a look at the Century uh, Championship here underway at Kapalua, Brian Harmon out in front, three under par through seven holes. Colin Morikawa, Tom Kim, Luke Liss, Davis Riley and Sepp Straka all at two under par. Uh, and then our guy, Eric Cole, who we just need him to finish in the top 20 uh, by the end of the week, is currently sitting at even par through seven holes. So uh, plenty of golf left to go as things are underway. There's still actually about half the field left to tee off in this particular event because, you know, Hawaii is a little bit behind us in, in time right now. A couple of things that uh, caught my attention though here the nfl today on cbs has some decisions ahead bill sims james brown boomer esias and bill cower all have been staples on the pregame show for cbs but all of their deals are set to expire after this year's super bowl run nate burleson is still under contract he's had a ton of different hosting and uh different important roles with cbs not just on the sports side of things so maybe he's a potential person that fits in to actually host the show and then jj watt uh, has been in and out uh this season in a limited capacity but if he wants a larger role uh, he could probably have a larger role there if he wants it but interesting uh that something that has been a staple for years could potentially be uh seeing some changes at season's end yeah I- i've not watched an nfl pregame show on a sunday morning for probably a decade uh, so we with the NFL Live on ESPN every Monday through Friday day and the NFL Network with total access, I pretty much know everything I need to know in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm going to learn anything on these Sunday morning shows anymore that I haven't already heard during the week. I have some interesting information about uh, online gambling behavior and a study that has recently uh, given out some numbers. <laughs> We'll save that for tomorrow's show. Maybe that'll be appropriate because of Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits looking to uh, kickstart 2024 with a win and keep our season winning streak going as well. Looking forward to getting into that and we'll we'll try to figure it out with some of the challenges ahead for week 18.